When I was with you in July of last year, and then I came back in March for a time with the staff, then back this weekend, every time I'm here, you have grown. Like there's progress. And it kind of reminds me when I was growing up, on about five to six occasions a year, we would travel to another city to see my grandmother, my mom's mom. Three out of the six were major holidays, so all of my cousins were there. And inevitably, this would be the conversation as all the grandkids were coming in. Oh, you, you've had a growth spurt. And you've now, those words she never said to me. But oh, I'm serious. Never heard, you've got taller once in my life. So for my cousins, though, she would even, you know, keep track. And it'd be like, you've had a growth spurt. And that's the way it is. Every time I come here, there's growth and there's progress. And the question that I want to get at tonight is how do we protect your progress? You and your life, this church, because you're just getting started. I so look forward to this big announcement. I, I was looking for a QR code. I was going to come to serve day. I'm telling you, I'm not on the dream team, but I was coming in. Because I want to hear that because you've got some big dreams that are in front of you. And so we've got to protect the progress going in. Lord Jesus, help us. God, you know how you've just kind of built this word in me. And it's, it's more of a word than it is a, a message. And I believe it's a word for here and for now, for each person and for this church. And so we just, we lean into you tonight. We need to hear from you. And if that happens then there will be a difference made, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God said to Ezekiel, uh, come out, I want you to look at this valley, and he sees a valley full of bones. It represented a people. Those bones were scattered. It was a hopeless situation. He said, can they live? I love his response. He answered the question with a question, because when you're looking at something hopeless, the best thing to do is say, I don't know, only you know. That's safe, especially when you're talking to God. And then he gives him the direction about to speak the word of God over that valley. And assimilation starts happening. Restoration starts happening. Then it goes from the reassembling of the bones to the muscle, the skin, even the breath. And now they're standing. They're once again uh, with identity and they're in their purpose. So you go from structure and formation to strength, and from strength to identity. I, I've, I've regained, I know who I am, and then you're back in the purpose for which you were created. So the question now is protect that. So along comes Nehemiah and says, we're gonna have to rebuild this broken down wall and the story of, re, of the rebuilding of the wall is the story also of the rebuilding of the people. Because it doesn't matter if the wall is strong, if the people behind the wall are broken. So it was not only the rebuilding of a wall, but the continued formation, transformation, work of God in the building of the people. And as they were building, they were attacked by the enemy with threats, distractions, and defeat. And they were fighting. They're fighting, according to Nehemiah 4, they were fighting for themselves, for their homes, and for their future. And so Nehemiah says in chapter 4, here, you're going to have to learn how to have a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. 
So as you build, you can protect what you're building. You can protect your progress. What are we protecting tonight? Notice with me on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray. And I, I want you to pay attention to this description from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. We want to protect the sincere and pure devotion that we have for Jesus. If you look at Revelation, uh, the letters to the churches, the first one was written to a church that did not protect their love for Jesus. They didn't protect that pure devotion. So if you want to take some notes tonight, here we go. Just fresh out of this message going in my heart as I have prayed for you. Number one, if we're going to protect the progress, we've got to be specific about our spiritual growth. Specific. No ambiguity. Why? Because we can exploit every loophole when it comes to our self-control. Let me testify. I went on a diet, and it was one of those diets where once a week I got a cheat meal. And you know, a meat, when, I, when I started, I thought, this is awesome. I can borrow my cheat meals from next week and the next week. I could go seven days eating everything I wanted, and technically I was still on the diet. I was just borrowing my cheat days. And of course, I'm telling myself, now seven weeks out, I will have no, you know, I'm going to have to go seven weeks, no cheat days. It'll be the eighth week, but by then I'll be disciplined. So see, I was exploiting the loophole. And that's the way we can be when it comes to our self-control. So we've got to be specific when it comes to our spiritual growth because I'll find a way around it. Like, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. Here's the question, when am I going to read the Bible? Like, tomorrow's coming. When will I have time to nurture my heart through the power of the inspired, infallible, living Word of God? I know I need to communicate. I know I need to have that time of worship. So when will it happen? You know where you are. You know how God has brought you to where you are. You know what's happening in your growth and healing. I say that because I believe everybody we talk to in the family, in the church family, they're growing or they're healing or both. Where are you on the journey? So how can you be specific? Take away the gray area. Take away the opportunity to have the information of what you need to do, but not holding yourself accountable to doing it. Protecting my spiritual progress is knowing this. If I'm not actively tracking, then I am backtracking because there is no cruise control in Christianity. Will we protect our progress? Let's be specific about spiritual growth. Here's number two. Check your circle like the people. I mentioned Nehemiah. Like, Chapter 1, when they're getting, he's getting the vision and they start the wall. The first enemy, one of, among the first, was Tobiah. And he, was, he had one agenda, and that was to defeat them. He criticized them. He tried to distract them. 
When you get to chapter 13, now I remind you, by then, the wall has been rebuilt in miraculous time. After the wall was rebuilt, it's the first platform built in the Bible upon which a man would stand and declare the word of God. And Ezra stood on that platform, and for some three weeks, it was just nurturing the people in the word of God because they had lost that word. And even the children of the adults, it says that they didn't understand the language of Judah because when we don't protect our progress, then the word, the truth, will not pass on to the next generation. And somebody would hear me preach about an infallible word, and they were like, what are you talking about? What do you mean one name given among men whereby you must be saved? What do you mean? No, no, no. This is the culture of my truth, your truth. His, and, and when we say, no, there is the truth, that's like, a, like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Come on, church. Let's protect the progress. Let's protect the progress. So here's the story. Ezra he brings the word. Revival is hitting. The people are growing. But something happens. By the time you get to chapter 13, Nehemiah leaves, takes a break. He goes back to check on things where he once was. And when he gets back, Tobiah has been like given a room to live in in the court. The room he was given, like the enemies now living among them. And the room he was given is the room where they stored the grain, the tithe, and all that it took for the worship team to be ready to lead in worship. How do you go from this restoration and this work of God and you end up letting the enemy have a room in your house? That can only happen when you're not checking your circle. So I, I know I'm preaching, like, you get it, so I'll just, I'll just move to an application. If you want to protect your progress, get in a small group, one of the 56. That's it. Check your circle. You need people that are going to challenge you, people that will hold you accountable, people that will pray for you, people that will encourage you, people that will motivate you, people that when you are around them, they make you want to love Jesus more. People, like the Bible says, where iron sharpens iron, where we can challenge one another. Come on, let's go next level. Come on, let's protect where God, all that God is doing, and let's get prepared for the biggest dream that we've ever experienced that's coming straight from God. Here's number three. Shape your environment for success. For spiritual success. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. What had they heard? That Jesus was greater than Moses, as influential as he was. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than the angels. He has no comparison. There's, there's no equal. His glory is higher than the heavens. Having heard that now, pay, notice the words, pay the most careful attention so that you don't drift away. You know how it works when you get in the ocean. All you have to do to drift is nothing. There's an undercurrent. You don't have to do anything wrong to drift spiritually. 
you just quit paying most careful attention to the fact that you know Jesus is the highest and the greatest. Kelly, my wife, who's here and has... We're just on this journey. I'm, I just love her so much. For the last year, every day, like really, really early, so early that to me it's the middle of the night. You know, there's a certain point. I, I know it's technically a.m., but it's still the middle of the night. And she gets up every day and goes to CrossFit. And so I watch her do this, and one thing that she does is that she shapes her environment for success. She puts the clothes out that she's going to be wearing to CrossFit. And she says when she looks at them, the idea of putting them away and going back to bed is saying, hey, do that, but then no, I got them out. She, you know, if, if you, even if you had to get the clothes out, you may just say, not today. Not today. But she shaped the environment for Success. See, willpower, it depletes. So you got to take options off the table. Like I have the option to get, get it all out in the morning. But I'm going to take that option off the table because I may not have enough willpower to get the clothes out and put them on. They need to be ready. If I got to, I need to wake up in them. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, shape your environment. Here, here's one. Back during the pandemic, and during all of the political upheaval, my attitude was, was not, ooh, it was not honoring God all the time. And I felt the Lord say, shape your environment for success. I said, how? Here it is. Less news, more scripture. See? And as I did, it's like, hey, news isn't your reference point. Jesus was just speaking this morning. I'm your reference point. There's never been, never will there be a president that is your spiritual reference point. The White House has no moral authority. The, the, the moral climate of culture, that challenge and need rests at the door of the church, not at the door of city government, county government, national government. So come on, the news is not your reference point. I am your reference point. I'm greater than Moses. I'm greater than the angels. I'm greater than the prophets. Keep, fix your eyes on me. Give him a praise. We're going to protect our spiritual progress. Yes, we are. While I'm here, shape your environment for spiritual success by knowing that part of this undercurrent in culture right now would, would love for you to think that obedience to Jesus is nothing but religious legalism. And it, it, it is this, in some ways it's subtle, in some ways it's just like a straight up frontal attack. So in Acts 3, there's a lame man. He's been that way his entire life. And here comes the church, Peter and John. They say, hey, what you need is Jesus. You, you are looking to the wrong source to meet your need. He had to be fixed at the foundation of his life. 
But have to go back to the genesis of the problem. And so, by the power of God, this lame man is healed and immediately, without any physical therapy, goes running, leaping, and praising God. So this was a, would you agree, this was a good thing done to a man who needed a good thing. And Peter and John end up in jail. Get ready. Get ready. Because that's what's happening around the world. It's been going on in places around the world. We're just now starting to see an intensity of real persecution. So I just want to place it right here. A guarded heart, a life that is being transformed, a life that is anchored in the word of God, a life that follows biblical principle, not my feelings. My, the word is not to line up behind my feelings. My feelings are to line up behind the word. I don't care how good it feels, if it feels so right, if it's not within the biblical boundary, you don't edit scripture. God got it right the first time. I am the one that has to transform. Come on. We're going to protect our progress because we are people who are going to follow the word and not our feelings. You want to shape your environment for success? Build your life on a rock. How do you do it? You practice what you read. It's not enough to hear it. It has to be applied. Here's the next one. Honor the gathering. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I nor your pastor will ever tell you or advocate that there's power in this building. The power is in the gathering. It just happens to be in this building. The word of the Lord here in Hebrews about don't forsake the assembling, don't quit meeting. This is a word to people that are under real persecution. So how much glory, how much power, how much of the presence of God must have been in those gatherings? How much, now let, let's get, God help us to see this. God's like, I know you're under intense persecution, but what you get in that gathering, which could make the persecution even worse, is still worth it. Don't stop meeting together. I have read of a working theory out there that says every message that's ever been preached in this room is captured in a sound wave in the room. We just can't hear it. Every prayer that's been prayed, every song that's been sung. How many of you, and I'll set it up, what I want to say with this, how many of you just you sense like something's happening in this room right now? Could it be that the force of what, it's way more than, the sermon I'm is there not like a lot of pastors that have preached from this platform and every sermon that Pastor Jabin has preached and every prayer that's been offered in this room 
is it not like pushing me going, say that, say that. What you are feeling right now is the force that I think goes all the way back. It's in Hebrews. There's a cloud of witnesses that were willing to dream big. They built boats when, and said it's going to rain when there had been no rain. They shut the mouths of lions. They, they quenched fire. They overturned cities for the glory of God. And then some were brutally murdered. And it says of them the world was not even worthy. And they're all gathered in like heaven's coliseum. And maybe the force of what's happening tonight is the force that goes all the way back to a book of Genesis where God said, let there be. And maybe the light and the word is all that's coming together right now. And it travels, what I'm saying, travels through the atmosphere and enters these appendages on the side of your head. And you hear something and then something takes a hold of your spirit. And on one weekend, this person says, I need to get saved. While this person says, I'm experiencing God's comfort and God's peace. While this other person is saying, I'm experiencing his sufficient grace. While somebody sitting over here will leave going, it's like I was the only one there. It's like that person has been in my DMs and knowing exactly what's going on. And someone over here is like, that message was just for me. How does that happen? We're just a sack lunch. We can't feed everybody. But when God puts a blessing on the sack lunch of a gathering, it starts ministering, come on, to where everybody leaves going, that was a word, I'm full. Let's honor the gathering. Now, what about online? Thank God it is a tool. But I promise you, if somebody's on the other side, they're not in this room. It's a blessing, but it, you cannot create what's happening right here in that home. It is a tool and it's God is using it. But don't think that it's the same. Honor the gathering. 22% of people have not come back to church since COVID. Across church world, 22%. And they're even starting to quit watching online. Why? Because you can't experience at home. Can God move there? Of course. Can you experience God there? Yes. But if you're not in my living room, then what God's doing in you and what he wants to do in the gathering, I can never, I'm just like screaming. I'm sorry. This is in my soul. Let's get back to church. Let's go to church. Let's have some church. Yes. There's someone I respect so much that your pastor is very close to. It's Pastor Jensen Franklin. I, I know of him. I've gotten to just talk with him briefly on a couple of occasions. One was back in February. He was going to preach at an event that I was attending, and so I got to spend just a couple of minutes. I said, Pastor Franklin, once again, I just have the highest of respect for you. What would you say to a pastor like me that wants to finish strong. 
he said, and I mean, he, he just started, he looked at me, and I, I still know the way he looked. And here are his words. He says, yeah, he says, he said, don't let worship be an accessory. Like, you'll turn it on if you feel like it. Or if you're flowing with the song or the volume or the style. He said, worship because you're a worshiper. You want to protect your progress, honor the gathering by coming in here and don't say, you know, maybe I'll worship. Let me just hold the Bible. I'm re- I've been reading from Hebrews to you. Do you know that part of Hebrews is this eloquent, clear picture of what happened in the Old Testament as the priest could just go to the Holy of Holies once a year, one person in the manifest presence once a year, and then it would start this whole process to hopefully get to do it again for one day the next year. But then the perfect priest who then said, and I'll also be the perfect sacrifice. He didn't offer a sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. When he died, he said, like a curtain that was rent, it was me that was making access available. So now, now you can come boldly to my throne. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through some religious ritual. For you have been given access because of the perfect sacrifice of this one Jesus. Now, why? Why could I ever get to a place where I would say, I'll worship you if I want to? Pastor Franklin said, you remind your church every time you get a chance that you have the privilege to host the presence of God. When y'all were leading us in worship, I'm just like, we're talking about Lazarus. The devil thought he had me. But here we are. And then we go into worthy You are worthy of it all. From you are all things. Think about that. The breath you're breathing right now, the blood that's flowing through miles and miles of veins, the synapses of your brain are firing, and you're, you're able to engage this moment. From Him are all things, and to Him are all things. You deserve the glory. And then he said, finally, and let me invite the worship team back. There has never been a great church built apart from the manifest presence of Jesus. We'll have music here in a moment. I got a few more things to say, but right now, can we just honor the presence? You may want to lift your hands, Lord. We just honor your presence, your presence. That you would want to be here. That you would want to call us friend. That you would... Show us how from the time 
of the sin of man that created separation, we watched as there would be a portable tabernacle or a tent of meeting or a the bush that caught fire by the presence of God and it was the very glory of God. Like all of these places and spaces where you were just trying to be with. But it was just occasional. And then God, you loved us so much that you would send your son and Jesus, you were willing to come from heaven to earth. Take on the form of a servant. Live a sinless life and then give yourself in the place of sinners. You would take on sin, you would take on Satan, you would take on death, hell, and the grave, and you would rise triumphantly. And then 50 days later, you would pass through the heavenlies, having been tempted in all points, like as we are yet without sin, and you would be seated at the right hand of the Father while simultaneously the gift, the presence that was occasional now becomes continual as your Holy Spirit fills the church no longer just with them, but in them. No longer just coming alongside. Now the comfort, the peace, the counsel, the leadership, the power, the help within us 24-7. And we just want to honor you. We want to honor you for your presence. Amen. Can I say this, church, and get a, get a, get a praise ready on this. Better is one day in the presence of God than a thousand anywhere else. Better is one day.